Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Beyond the Negotiation on Believe Podcast Network. I'm Sam Tiger, and I'm joined with my friend and co-host Higgins Success. We're back again this week. And as many of you know, and if you don't know, now you do, the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Mental health and wellness are two things that are so extremely important to me. And over the years, I've really learned so much more about what athletes deal with on the mental health front by representing them, by asking questions. I'm just very intrigued by it because it's so near and dear to me. Of course, I want to find out more, um, as well as on my own personal mental health journey. So this will be episode one of a three-part series of mental health um, that we plan on doing in the near future. I think it's really important that we discuss these topics. <laughs> Not going to lie, I'm a little nervous. <clears throat> it's a little different. We're, we're going a little uh, different. We're going a little bit back to where we first started with the waves ghosting in reality, that raw kind of chat, but we have to get back there. We're going to share stories and we're going to let other people know that they aren't alone. I think that's huge for me knowing that, okay, wow, she's going through it. He's going through it. Maybe you didn't know this athlete went through it and you feel like you're not alone. And that's the big thing. And I'm extremely thankful to have this platform to talk openly. But before we go into it, we obviously have to have our little chit chat at the beginning. So Higgins, what's up? How are you? Hey, what's up, Sam? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, so far, my kids are done testing uh, okay. with their state, statewide test. So how does their mental what... health seem? Do they seem good and good spirits? <laughs> right. Speaking of mental health, I mean, you know, they, they're pretty much like they're over the the hump now, right? So okay. it's the last last month of the breathe. school year, right? They're kind of taking it a little easy. So we'll see. What about you? How are you doing? Um, I'm okay. <laughs> I had some, I don't want to make this a funny story, but I guess I will. So I'm living in an area, but there's a lot of trees. So think California in Southwest Florida and there's wildfires and- well, I'm getting ready to do my 1400th Peloton ride at 7.30 p.m. last night. So I'm getting ready, you know, taking I have my glasses on, putting my contacts in. And I hear like a helicopter. I can't do a helicopter sound. So I hear a helicopter and I'm like, okay, well, I thought it was a plane. I'm like, oh, goodness, you know, am I going to die? Like, is a plane going to crash into my house because it's that loud? And then I hear it again and they keep going and going. What's going on? So... I'm like, hmm, okay, well, so I go on Twitter. Shout out to Twitter. I'm the biggest Twitter fan as of yesterday. And I put in the area that I live in, um, the estates, the name of it. And it comes up about two streets over, brush fire. Evacuation is very real. I know how this is. So I'm not playing here and I'm not going to lollygag around. Um, so I started ripping things off the wall. I was lifting boxes because I have a lot of stuff, you know, that's very valuable. And it's not necessarily even mine. Like Komar has trusted me to have a lot of stuff here. But so threw it in my car, tried to lift the bike, thought about it. And I was like, nah, you're going to throw your back out and then you're not going to be able to lift anything else. So what did I grab when in the uh, almost evacuation? I grabbed a bunch of signed memorabilia. My office was ransacked, took my jerseys, I took my fur coats, I took some blazers, obviously the bags, and yeah, all my legal documents. So I took all my files. I literally took the whole thing. And I was just like, okay, bet. And then they said it was contained. So I got my workout in, but... Hey, there you go. Uh, at, least you, at least you're safe. I mean, if someone would have recorded it and like sped it up, it probably would have been viral because <laughs> it was probably the funniest thing. But yeah, that's what that's what I went through. Shall we get into it? So after our last show, I tweeted something and I really got into thinking about my journey in sports because it's been 
my main goal was sports. Like I always want to be in sports and where I'm at today, if you would ask me 10 years ago and said, Sam, you would have an agency, you would be a certified agent. You would have multiple degrees. I would have thought you were crazy, but that's where I'm at. So I think it was in our episode of waves ghosting and reality that we really talked about you're told no a lot. No, 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 no. Yes, maybe, maybe, and then no response, and then no, no, no. And then you have to get a thick skin. But I got thinking about it. I'm like, we really didn't talk about how that made us feel. We kind of did, but we kind of brushed over it and said, okay, just get used to it and kind of like a rite of passage type of thing. But I thought about it because I had um, someone that I think so highly of is going through something that I went through, applying for jobs, whether it's part-time, whether it's internships, whether it's full-time and being told no um, or not getting a response back and just, okay, I assume my application just went into the you know, Teamworks and I'll never hear again. If anybody's applied for sports jobs on Teamworks, you know what I'm talking about. So I think for me, I was like, wow, I guess after 10 10 and some change years of doing this, it doesn't really rattle me anymore being told no, because I'm told no by players, I'm told no by teams, I'm told no by a lot of different things, but it doesn't really bother me. But it took 10 years, let's give or take eight, nine, 10 to get to this point. So I think it's important that I talk about how it made me feel when I was younger. What, how did I get to this point? Because it wasn't always like this. And I think that's important because, um, I'm guilty of this, you know, on social media, we're posting our highlight reels. We're not posting for the most part. And this isn't everybody, but I think it's, it's obviously a trend on social media. We're not posting days where we feel gross looking, you know, we're not posting days that we failed at something. Um, but we, and I, there are exceptions, don't get me wrong, but I want to talk about it. So when I started out in sports, I really thought I had a head start because I had a resume when I had graduated and it started out easy on me. Let's, let's be real here. I got a job at the Orange Bowl. It was fantastic. It was a lot of hard work, but it was great. And I got it. Um, I had applied like a year before and I got a call and I'm like, what the hell? I didn't even apply for this. Luckily, I was still living in South Florida and I had reached out to um, a mentor professor that was super close and he said take it take it take it this is a great opportunity and it was it opened so much for me in the sense of who I am today and how I operate but I took it then I moved on again and I said okay I don't really want to be in South Florida anymore so I'm going to move on I want to go to Atlanta and I got that it was like yes yes two consecutive years okay I'm feeling pretty good even though Atlanta, the experience there wasn't what I thought it was, I still, you know, went through, made it work. And I'm thinking, okay, I've got the degree. I've got two full years of work at very, you know, New Year's six bowl games um, and some change, some volunteer time, some other things that I had done. And I'm thinking, okay. I'm, so I started making that transition into wanting to work in pro sports. So I'm thinking, okay, I want to go work for a team. So applied, 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 football. I'm applying where I want to be and I'm getting interviews. So I'm not going to lie. I am getting interviewed. However, I'm not getting them because they're taking interns that worked in the NFL. Yeah, that's rational. I can't be mad about that. But I'm getting there. So it's like kind of this mind F, you know, I'm not gonna say the word, but okay, you've got it, but you don't. And then sometimes it just it got to this point where I was just like, what is it? What is going on here? Because I hadn't been offered that full time position at the places I had worked either. So then you I kind of got into my head where I was thinking, okay, now I'm going to start applying for some things that aren't even in football. They're in sports, they're in all these different things. And not hear anything back or not to sound the way it sounds, but I felt like I was applying for things that I was overly qualified for. 
no, nothing back or will call you. They don't call you. And of course that gets to you. And then, you know, you're pushing. Okay. There's pressure from the outside because you're seeing things on social media. You're seeing people that are getting these jobs and, and it's like, what the hell, what's wrong with me? Is it me? What is it? I, I thought I did everything right. And I think that's a common trend, especially with sports management. You do these things, you do these internships, you do everything and you think you're doing everything right. And it's something's not clicking. And then you start to kind of get mad at yourself. And that's something that's hard. It really is because it affects everything. If you're like me, your work, my work has been my identity. You know, it really has. And you can call that good or bad. I'm trying to work at that at 30 years old now. Like, Sam, take some personal time. But that's been my passion. It's what gets me going. It's what keeps me going. But having nothing is tough. So fast forward, I went through a period where I just, I felt useless. I really did. I felt like I was a loser. I just was like, okay, I guess this isn't it, which is a tough pill to swallow or try to swallow. Um, when you're somebody who you feel this is your identity. So I was like, what am I supposed to do? And it, it of course, and I'm not going to dive too in too much into it, but it led into things that for me, just trying to make myself feel better on, you know, whether it was, I wasn't sleeping enough or I was some days I wanted to sleep all day. It was just, I couldn't pinpoint what it was, um, until, you know, there was a day that happened and I just was like, do what you want to do. So I really just had to dig into where, what do you want, Sam? What do you want? Because if you're not going to find it from a, a team or, gosh, you've done it. You know, you know, you belong here. That was one thing I knew. That was probably the only thing I belong here. Even if no one else thought I did, I knew I did. And that was my gut. And you always have to believe your gut, you know, old person tip here, go with your gut. So like I said, I had that moment where I just had to do it for myself. And, um, you know, you have to find these fearless moments because especially as a woman, um, I can speak as a woman who, really just I had a lot of allies and then I had people that didn't like me for no reason so it it, I started to had a thick skin but I didn't have the thick skin that I do now and we'll we'll touch on that but but anyways fast forward I kind of just said you know screw it I obviously I have to make some money so I have to get a job so I got a job in retail I did and I said okay where am I what do I need to do to get to where I want to be I have to get another degree uh, to even be able to take this test. So I did. And that's what I did. And it was strange. It was fun. It was strange. It was a lot of things. It was frustrating, but it taught me a lot of things. And I think that had I not gone through that moment where it wasn't a yes, it didn't go to plan. This really took it plan Plan A didn't work, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E. I had to go to plan the way the end of the alphabet. Such a key point in my life where I had to experience things that I didn't before to appreciate what I have now. So fast forward, you know, my story there is, you know, I got I was in a low point in my life. Once again, it just it took me having that realization moment of, okay, Sam, what you're doing right now, you're not gonna get anywhere. And I did it for myself. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that everybody believed in my, when I said, Hey, I'll never forget this conversation. I was sitting with my dad. Hey dad, I think I'm going to launch a marketing company <laughs> like in the car. And I go, do you care if I use our name? And I think I was going to call it tiger marketing. I, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew I had to do something. I had to, cause I had this moment and he goes, it's your name too. And I was just like, okay, I didn't end up using tiger marketing, but I got to Sam tiger management. And I was like, that's just what it is. And it grew. And to think of this little idea that I was even scared about the name to sit here and be where I'm at today. That is amazing. And that came from once again, it came from me getting those notes and getting into a place where I just felt like 
I know I belong there and it's not working right now and it's not working for a reason. And it works for so many other people. I'm not going to sit here and say that people don't get amazing jobs in the NFL. And some people come from the agency side and go to the NFL side. That's just what it is. It's part of the business. But that wasn't my journey. Um, And where I'm at now is exactly where I need to be. And it's still hard. It's still hard. The no's don't, they get easier. But you still have that moment where you just kind of breathe And you say, okay, and you learn it's not, you will take it personal sometimes. It's just, if you're, we're not robots, we're humans, but you have to go through those times to kind of navigate you and use that as a compass, use your nose as a compass to really kind of sit and say, okay, what do I want? How am I going to get there? Or is this really what I want? Am I in this for what I want? Like, do I want $200,000? Like, do I want to make a shit ton of money from the start? Maybe that's not the right path for you. For me, it was one to do something that I absolutely love to do. And I had to do a lot of other things from the financial standpoint to even be able to do it now. And I've grown so much. I mean, to be able to be full-time now is amazing, but it didn't always look like that. So I don't know, Higgins, what do you have to add to that? Have you ever had any of those moments where you're just like, what is going on here? Is this it? Because you've had a complete different background than me. Right. Um, I mean, I definitely want to say, you know, good job on staying the course and you know, believing in yourself when it seems like no one else does. Thank you. Um, and I, I, I did have a different background, right? Obviously, um, coming out of UF, I did not um, go into no workforce or traditional um, work environment. So right after my undergrad, I went directly into my graduate studies because mm-hmm. um, I knew by then, I, okay, I want to be an agent. These are the requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't take any time off to work mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, so when I came out of grad school again, before you know, I was graduating that April, I signed up for that summer's test. So I really wow. didn't have no time just in between. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Yeah. Right. So there was really no gap in between, you know, figure things out or figure out if this is what I want to do. I was pretty much like, yo, by now, you don't, you know, you got this master's degree that's costing 40,000. So it's too late in the game to turn back. You know what I mean? So, well, um, I mean, you could, I mean, I, I'll play the other side, you know, you could have. Right. And I always say this, and I think you'll echo this to younger people. And this is where kind of this conversation was going to the younger people that are trying to get jobs and they don't know what it might be. And then you look at this and it seems like such a long shot until it happens. That's the truth. You think it's so crazy and then it happens. And then it's like, right. okay, what's next? Even today I, I do that. I'm like, okay, oh my gosh, I'm working so hard. And then boom, that's sports. That's sports. It's it's the same with players. But for you, I mean, when you have your degrees, especially in sports, I mean, it's a buffer. So if you didn't like the agency stuff after a year, two years, you know, you probably could find your way in somewhere. It will be an uphill battle, but. I mean, you definitely, you find your way, you know what I'm saying? Well, whatever it may be. And also, I mean, for me, I always wanted to teach and I knew I wanted to teach. So I knew, you know, I was going to be in a classroom teaching, whether it was five years, 10 years or whenever it was. So, you know, the the agent thing or sports thing, I pretty much it was like, OK, if it doesn't happen right away, I'll be OK. Mm-hmm. Right. It's something that, you know, if it takes five years to take off, I'm fine. You know, mm-hmm. if it takes longer than that, I'm fine. I'm OK. You know, so my so fortunately for me I had that option you know and so it's pretty you know but I definitely understand what you're saying and I've seen it I've seen it a lot you know Mm -hmm. from close friends from other agent buddies from other people in sports in general you know I remember um, when I was at UF Stephen A. Smith came in and um, had like a speaking engagement Mm -hmm. and I decided to go check him out or whatnot and he talked about how you know, before he got the ESPN, he worked at like these smaller um, newspaper articles. Like he was doing a lot of other little jobs before mm-hmm. he got to where he got. So everybody has to put in a time in sports. You know, really, it's rare. It's rare that someone goes from the bottom to the very top, you know, just instantly. And that so doesn't, you- yeah, not to cut you off, but 
even that doesn't necessarily, and I think that's kind of going to be the whole tone of the rest of the show. Even if you do, even if you do, it doesn't mean that that means you're happy, you know, right. and, and that's just right. kind of the overall tone and, and mental health in general. I think it's important to just recognize things and, and it's human nature, you know, we're going to feel different feelings, but when you put so much into it, when that's your whole life, it can really put a toll on you. And like I said, I felt like my future sports career was my identity. Um, I felt like that was it. And now I can kind of align myself. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I align myself with my athletes like that, where I get it um, because it's tough. And when you think about it, okay, what else do you like to do? Um, I like my palant, you know, so <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. I can see you and I can see you're watching something on TV. So what's going on over there? Uh, well, you know, it's NBA playoff season. So I've mm -hmm. been tuning in all the first round playoff seasons. Um, now, bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts, right? Because I'm, I'm taking the Lakers to beat the Suns in the first round series. It's not much of an upset. I know it's a seventh seed playing against the second seed, but I believe a healthy LeBron and Anthony Davis will get it done. I like it. I wouldn't disagree on that one. I'd bet on that. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sam don't bet much, so... I it's, don't it's, bet. I don't. I'm not a better. I'm a bet watcher. Lot. I'm a watcher. They, they side better. You'll side better. <laughs> I'm a I'm a cheerleader <laughs> in that sense. <laughs> so moving on, um, athletes are people. <clears throat> Let me repeat myself. Athletes are people. So if you are on social media, you'll probably know where this is coming from, and it's been. It's been very active, this saying and these things I'm seeing in the last year or so. Um, and, and to me, it's disgusting. I will say that again. I find it absolutely disgusting. When an athlete will voice their opinion on something, and it's not always political. Sometimes it's asking recommendations on things or something that is outside of the realm of their sport and their job. And I see comments like, just play your sport. Or he or she, you know, you should be fine because you've made X amount of money. <clears throat> Excuse me? Excuse me. If there's one thing I know, and I mean, come on, people. You have no clue what's going on behind closed doors. Um, you know, so to say those things, it's tough. And it's tough for me to see because I feel like, me having gone through things on my, you know, own terms in my own mental health, but I didn't have a platform. I didn't have a check mark. I still don't. So anybody from Instagram and Twitter listening, <clears throat> I'm ready. <laughs> but <It's> <laughs> <terrifying>. <laughs> but I didn't have that, and I found it hard. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, if somebody's gonna troll me as an athlete and I'm potentially having a bad day or going through something and I can't react because if I react, which happens and this happens, we all know a situation where we see an athlete say something back to a fan that has just said some absolutely ridiculous, disgusting things. And then it's screenshot, even if they delete it, even if they delete it, and then it's blasted over social media. That is just something that the normal person does not deal with. I'm sorry, we agents, yeah, I, we have to be careful what we say and do, but it's at another level when it comes with the check mark, when it comes with, you know, you're one of the players on a certain team and the fan base is constantly looking at everything. Um, but I do have to really, really um, commend Jordan Poyer from the Buffalo Bills that this offseason, he came out on Instagram about his struggle with alcoholism. He did it publicly. 
And he really just spoke about his struggle. And he said, a year ago today, I decided to quit drinking, not because of anything special like Lent or New Year's, just because I was an alcoholic. And that is a huge statement. It's a huge statement. And I remember reading this. Um, Obviously, you know, I love my bills and I love Buffalo. And he said he just couldn't drink to hang out, but he used alcohol to avoid issues in his life. And he said, when I drank, I could forget all of my issues. I didn't have to deal with them face on. And then proceeds to say when the Bills lost to the Texans in the AFC wildcard game in the 2019 season, he said he was so disappointed about how he played and how they lost that for the next five weeks, he drank every single day. And then it went to say, you know, quote, I remember feeling thoughts in my head that would scare the hell out of sober me now. And then he said, you know, thanks to some advice from his mom and um, support from other family members like his wife, Rachel um, Bush Poyer, he attended Alcohol Anonymous meetings and hearing others share their experience helped him put his life into perspective. Um, And he's, you know, four days after his decision to quit drinking, he signed his new two-year contract extension with the Bills. I just want to kind of quote what he said in his Instagram can't lie even writing this i'm embarrassed it's shameful but if i can overcome the struggle of alcohol so can you i didn't want all to know this about me i'm writing this because i know others struggle as well if you believe that is you it's never too late to look for help and i want to let you know my dms are open for questions and support when i saw that i said wow you have no idea And that's exactly what I'm saying. You don't know what people go through. You don't know what the stress that comes with sometimes the public eye, certain things going on, what it puts them through. But everybody's going through something that you might not know about. And it's so admirable that someone with such a high platform to so many people can come out and talk like that because it's scary. That's scary. But you're opening up everything. And you're doing that because you want to help people. So I thought that was pretty awesome. What do you think about that? Did you see that? Did you know about that? No, I did not. Um, I didn't get a chance to see that. Or actually, I didn't hear about it much. But no, it's definitely, you know, it takes a lot of courage to come out and, you know, open yourself up to the public. Obviously, that's something that, you know, he probably could have kept doing without anyone really knowing. Exactly. You know, so for him to come out and you know, put himself at the forefront of it to help others uh, feel more comfortable about coming out or getting help or that that's very, you know, that's a selfless move. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's put the best way because I think there's so much stigma around things, whether it's mental health, whether it's addiction, whether it's things like that. People think, well, if I have this, I'm a loser. You know, I'm not worth anything. And then when you have someone that is I'm such a high profile stand up person, you wouldn't think it. And that's the thing you just don't know. So I found that really, really uh, inspiring. And I, I, of course, me being me, I'm going to look at the comments. And for the most part, the comments were amazing. So, you know, I think we need more of that. We need a lot more of that. I, I think people are, you know, starting to be more educated on different, you know, issues and things like that. So I think overall, as a public, you know, we're starting to see more people being compassionate and being understanding of, you know, different mental illnesses. I, re- I remember uh, my sophomore year at Florida, you know, and I was having a conversation one day with a very, um, very good player on the team, probably one of the best um, top five players in America at the time. And we were just having a real conversation. And, you know, at the time he was, he was smoking, he was smoking and, we're talking and he told, and I was curious, you know, cause I, cause I've never smoked in my life. So I'm like, like, how you do that? You know, like, how are you able to smoke and go out and perform at that level? And he literally told me that when he's high, he's probably the best player in America. And he felt like if he wasn't high, his word was, I'm basically a walk on when I'm not high. Right. So just the the the, the mental mm-hmm. 
aspect where, you know, he's gotten to the point where he's convinced himself that without this drug or without this, you know, he's not worthy or he's not the same player. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that speaks a lot about, you know, just the mental part of it and how, how it can get to a lot of these athletes where guys really feel like, you know, their skill that they've been practicing and working on all their lives is dependent on something like that. You know what I mean? So for me, that was a crazy conversation, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm like, bro, he's one of the best players in America. Exactly. And, he, and to think that, yeah, that's, me. you know, exactly. I mean? like, and it just goes to show, I mean, not right. saying this player is dependent on something or they're not, but it goes to show that it becomes a part of their regimen. Oh, yeah, for sure. Most exactly. Definitely. And it's like, okay, you got to realize, but you might not because, you know, it's one of those things. Well, okay, I've got, I've, you, this has been my reality till now. I'm scared right. to not have it. And I think just to, to add to, you know, on the, flip side of things you know with when I was talking about Jordan Poyer um you know he said it it really got bad after the wild card game in the 2019 season he was disappointed I mean I don't know a person that can't that hasn't had a time in their life where they felt like this sucks this right. I was a part of something that just didn't happen and this sucks and you have those bad days. And it's like, with football, with sports, this isn't, you're not doing, having a game every single day. Right. So you have to kind of think of it, putting in perspective. These people are humans. They're, and their success and their losses is shine to the whole world. So if yeah. they're taking a loss and we f- and fans feel bad about it, imagine how they feel. So I think it was really the way that he pushed that out was so admirable. And I just want to, you know, thank him because, you know, he saved a lot of people's lives by doing that, you know, by, by people like him, you know, because, because you don't, you don't think that when people come out and they speak about what they're actually going through, it makes them human, which is exactly what they are. So transitioning into our next topic, I want to paint a little scenario. We know I love these stories. And so let's just focus on football, but this can be all athletes, but I'm speaking on uh, personal experience, um, you know, as an agent, but let's just say, okay, where we are in high school, we are a four or five star recruit. We have all these offers. We're swimming in a bathtub of offers. Uh, from Power Five universities on scholarship. Okay, we we obviously we decide to go to a Power Five university. We have an amazing college career. We're projected. You know, we're the best in the nation. We're doing exactly what the plan was. But you know, I have a great support system around me. My family uh, knows what they're doing. It's one of those things where this is it. This is it. You know, I, I'm going to be a star. I decided to come out a year early for the draft. I get drafted in second, third round. As we know, in sports, injuries happen. And it has nothing to do with how hard we work or how great of an athlete or person we are. So we're getting all these injuries. And, you know, one or two things can potentially happen. Or actually three things. We can go through our whole careers and get nicked up. And of course, you know, you're in pain as you get older, but you retire on your own terms. Or let's let's play the scenario where you get injured pretty severely a couple times and you're advised, okay, you know, if you continue to play, you're risking major injuries that will impact you the rest of your life. Or uh, you get injured and it's very serious and you are told you can never play again. Not your choice. You can't. You can't. Your body can't take this anymore. No discussion. It's done. Okay, so all the listeners, I assume most of us are NFL players. So imagine we wake up today. We go and do our jobs. Everything's hunky dory. Maybe we're in a bad mood. Maybe we're stressed out. Maybe we're tired. Maybe, but we still we do our jobs. We love our jobs. And then tomorrow, 
we can never do that again. We have to retire. And it, it wasn't on our own terms. It's over, poof, done, whatever. That's a reality that most people don't deal with. I understand we are in a situation in the country where, you know, jobs and things are very uncertain, but you get where I'm saying. A lot of people get a choice when it's over in that field. Maybe you lose your job at your company, but you can find the job in another company maybe, or, you know, you take some time off, you figure it out, you can still do it. But if you're told you can never play again because you'll risk paralysis or something like that, it's done. It's done. You can't. You can't go play in Canada. You can't go play in the XFL. You can't go play rugby. It's done. Let's all take a moment to think about, and I'm going to ask you, like, how would you feel in that situation, Higgins? Like, put yourself, you are the star. You're on your second contract, and then all of a sudden it's just over. Right, right. And I think that's, you know, obviously it's difficult for me to say how I would react to something like that, you know, because given who you are, right, given who I am and the fact that that's something you have to really go through to know how you would react. So I don't want to, you know, overstep my boundaries or anything like that. But I mean, do you have empathy for that? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I mean, you got to think about just you and most athletes start early. So you're talking about six, seven years old where you put it in the work for this, right? Obviously, a lot of other professions don't start that early. I, I didn't even need an education degree in college to become a teacher, right? So all these other professions, you know, you probably maybe towards the end of high school or even some, most of them, once you're in college, you're making that decision with your advisor or whomever it is saying, hey, okay, this is what I want to do now. But for athletes, it starts a lot earlier. So these guys are putting in the time and resources for 10, 15 years before they even get to the NFL, right? So you can call it, I mean, not 10, 15, but I mean, their identities are formed so young because they're put on such high platforms. Right. I mean, you remember watching LeBron James in high school on Mm -hmm. magazines and what, I mean, he's probably 16 years old at the time. Actually, you know, I had a I had a teammate, very close friend of mine. I'm pretty sure, you know, he won't mind me naming him, but don't. Um, okay. Well, he was unless one of you the have best an article player. to reference. He's one, he's one of the best players that, you know, coming out of the state of Florida when he committed to the Gators. And even on the Gators team, you know, he was one of the better players, but injuries never allowed him to reach his full potential Mm -hmm. and everyone respected him everyone and you can just see the hurt on his face you know being at practices watching you know guys that he'd been competing with for the last two three years you know being able to play and he's just there you know he's just been you know still going to school and things like that but you could just one conversation with this guy and you just know that he's in a lot of pain mentally because of the injuries and you know things that were out of his control at that point mm-hmm. you know 100%. So I, I definitely exactly. understand yeah and I think it's just something that we have to you know fans listening I love you I hear you and I'm not trying to sound like this agent here because I love fans I, I am a fan I started out as a fan <laughs> I I wouldn't be sitting here today if I was not a fan of a bunch of amazing athletes because I believed in them. I saw what they do and what they do for the communities, their spirit and everything. But when judgments are made out of emotion, because there's emotion both ways. So we, the fans going on social media or even the media, they're guilty of it too. I'm sounds, I've sounds, seen some absolute bullshit from people in the media, not mainstream, maybe more on city focused local media you know, making these comments that are just absolutely, really, um, you know, and whether it's a fan source or this or that. And I've, I personally dealt with it as an agent uh, for certain players where it's like, he didn't mean that. Stop taking it out of context, you know, where you got to be the bad guy. I mean, I've had to do that. And that's why I'm so passionate about this. But um, Andrew Luck, do you remember that retirement? I do. So yeah, when when I saw that, I don't really remember because I feel like I blacked out for like five seconds because I kind of got it. I got it. And I wasn't shocked. 
because I saw the trend. Uh, I saw that Andrew had not been healthy for a long time. And I saw the frustration because, you know, when you're a first round first pick quarterback, doesn't matter if you're not the starting quarterback for a whole season, you're going to be on the sidelines and they're going to show you. And I saw that frustration in his eyes. He looked upset. He just, he wanted to be out there more than anything. It wasn't, okay, I want to collect a check. It was, I want to play football. I want to be the quarterback of this team. And he was doing his best. You know, he really was trying to rally the team around him. But that takes a toll on you. Of course it does. You're trying to get back to where you're at and then another setback. And and then the frustration comes in because you don't have control over you're the quarterback. You're not the general manager. You're not the owner. You're not the one drafting players that are potentially going to protect you, help you do whatever. And that's a whole nother conversation that we will not dig into. But with Andrew, when he came out and retired, he, it was very subtle, but there was a mental health part of it where he couldn't do it anymore. And he wanted to be able, I remember he noted, I don't have the quote, I'm just going from just memory. He wanted to be able to, number one, remember memories of his his child because he had a child on the way. And also just be happy, be happy. And I think a lot of people saw this as a shock because they were like, how is he not happy? You know, he's making a lot of money because he had, you know, and he was. There's, There's no doubt in that. But does money equal happiness? I mean, I say absolutely not. I mean, it can make you look good and make you smile like you're happy, but it doesn't. And especially in the place of athletes, especially like someone like him, for someone like him to come out and say that he didn't have one injury that stopped him. It was a shock. And I think that's what goes to show how much injuries and the uncertainty of the business plays into their mental health. I remember that it broke during a game. The Colts fans booed because he was on the sideline. (sighs) That's a tough thing for me because I absolutely adore Colts fans. And I don't think that represents them as a whole. uh, Having have gone to Colts games my whole childhood with Peyton. And I think it was just a, a shock and a frustration and Everyone was in shock and they didn't know what to do. Booing was not the thing to do when somebody says, I'm not happy playing anymore. How do you feel about that? No, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm I'm siding with athletes um, because, again, it's just, you know, being a former athlete and understanding, you know, the things that they go through, um, you definitely – you know, I have a soft spot for athletes and the things and their health, their well-being. Um, you know, and I, and I understand why fans can get frustrated too. You know, obviously, you know, you want to be able to brag to your friends, your team doing well. And, you know, if your starting quarterback is not there, you pretty much know how the season's going to go, you know. So from a selfish standpoint, being a fan, you know, you don't like it, obviously, you know, you, you're going to try to, you know, find ways to make the guy seem like, you know, he's making a selfish decision when he's making the decision for his family and, you know, himself. his future. I mean, I think at the time, Andrew's what, 31 when he retired? 30, nah, 31. he was way younger than that. I think I want to say 20, uh, 28, 29. So, right. So this is a, a young man, you know I mean? He has a lot of years ahead of him and he want to be able to enjoy it. You know, so you can definitely, you know, understand that once you take the emotion out of it and you take the the fandom out of it, you know. But um, yeah, his 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 um retirement was pretty. I was like, whoa, well, that's weird. I mean, and I didn't see it coming. Same thing with Luke Keekley. You know, I think he retired early and wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, make sure he was in the right state of mind and you know his health and things like that. So I think it's something where we're probably going to see a lot more of where guys are retiring a little earlier, Mm -hmm. especially guys that play those positions. That's very, you know, the wear and tear on the body. I mean, talking about a quarterback in the NFL, 
Yeah. And Andrew, I mean, let's not (laughs) remember Andrew had an injury that was equal to him being in a severe car accident. He had a lacerated kidney. I mean, that and the guy was still funny and said, great hit, man. You know, Andrew was a, I mean, he was great. He was great for the league. I miss Andrew, but I'm happy for him. He had to do what he had to do. And I think that as a a leader in the NFL and as someone who's so smart and so strong as Andrew Luck, that was a move that I was, I was proud of him. I remember I I made a statement on Facebook, if I could find it, but I'm not going to go look through it. I said, that had to be such a hard decision, but he knew what he was doing. He knows what he's doing. He's doing this for himself. I do kind of want to touch on something that came from the Andrew Luck retirement. And it says the dehumanization of athletes is far from a novel concept, but the increasing awareness of injuries and their effects on post-career life has brought a greater understanding of the decisions that they face, which is absolutely correct. As difficult as these decisions appear to the uninformed onlooker, they are choices that every NFL player must grapple with upon um, inclusion in the NFL. Once again, I don't really care if you're a rookie or you're an eight-year vet, you still run that risk. While each player's decision is ultimately their own, the shared nature of their experiences help foster a better understanding, regardless of how each athlete decides to make their exit. That's what it needs to be. You know, we need to cheer for these guys when they get drafted or they get signed or they make the team off of a, you know, rookie minicamp. But we also have to cheer for them when they make the decision that it's time uh, to move on. And that's my statement as an agent, because as an agent, when they stop, you know, you're not getting that, that commission check. <laughs> so it's not like, you know, but we can help them when we should, as I do. So with my guys, I mean, my vets, Kamar, you know, it was time. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm not going to say who and name names, but do they suffer um, things that memory loss do they suffer chronic pain every day absolutely absolutely there are times where I'm like wow that's not something a 31 year old should should have that's crazy and that's what comes with the territory are they complaining absolutely not but for someone to make a decision that you know hey at the rate that I'm going if I continue I'm already suffering these things or my mental health is bad. I don't think I can go on. So I just, I'm ready. We should clap. We should never boo. Making a decision for your own mental health is always commendable. I don't care how old you are or who you are. I agree. Did I just drop the mic on that? <laughs> my, that was a pretty good closing, actually. That, that would have been a pretty good closing, right? I think at the end of the day, we just have to end it as, you know, after my own struggle with my mental health and seeing firsthand the struggles that I've had clients um, see and then and also seeing players that I look up to respect and, you know, people like Andrew Luck that I admired throughout their college career manage their own mental health, you know, behind closed doors, putting on a happy face when they're on camera with their teams, with with their families, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. So I got into this habit with my own clients of asking, how are you doing? And I don't mean like, hey, how was your workout? Where's your weight at? What did you eat? What did your coaches say? No, no, no. How are you doing? Are you okay? You have to be okay. And your wellness is number one. Obviously, we want to make sure your body is in check so you can go out and play. But the same thing with your mind it's equal. And I know we don't emphasize that enough, but it is absolutely equal. And if you're not okay, it's okay to say you're not okay. And you might be okay. You might have a bad week or a bad year, but it's okay. You're not ever alone. You know, we've come a long way with mental health. We have a long ways to go. We definitely do, but we have to start somewhere. 
on. And we, I think we did. And I hope everyone listening appreciates the, the vulnerability of myself and, you know, Higgins and, and the players that have come forth that we referenced tonight, uh, Jordan Poyer, Andrew Luck, these players that really, really put themselves out there because it's not easy. It's not easy. Thank y'all for listening and uh, bearing with us. I'm thankful to have this platform once again, to be able to to talk like we do. And-, and I just want to thank you, Sam. Thank you for, you know, sharing. And I know this is not, you know, your typical thing to do, you know, opening up like that. No, it's not. And, you know, but it's definitely, you know, um, needed. You know, the more that the more dialogue we can have about mental health, the more people that are willing to share and open up, I think the more educated we all will become. Mm-hmm. You know, so definitely shout out to you and everyone out there that's dealing with something, you know, just know that you're not alone and be sure to subscribe to Beyond the Negotiation presented by Bet Online. Catch us on all of your different podcast platform and on NFL Draft Diamonds website. Shout out to Damon and the entire team at NFL Draft Diamonds. Sam, you want to give them a shout out? Where's your Instagram? Your My Twitter Instagram page. is samtiger underscore agent and Twitter is samtigermgmt. Twitter, thank you again for saving my <laughs> life with this fire. Right. I think Sam just became a big Twitter fan. I Twitter am saved her all life. Oh, Lord. To, like, right. thank you. See, there we go. There we go. I'll, I'll be, I'm on Instagram at Higgins Success, H-Y-G-E-N-S-S-U-C-C-E-S. And on Twitter, it's the underscore Megazo, D-A underscore M-E-G-A-Z-O-E. I'm always on Twitter, so. As always, help me help you. Show me the money. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube